we, we honor those that have fought on behalf of this nation. And it saddens me that, and we've, we've seen it throughout our history, that there are times and seasons that it seems like those men and women weren't honored the way they deserve to be honored. Times that they came back instead of receiving thanks from a grateful nation, they were ridiculed and pushed back. The individual that I've, I've done some travel in my lifetime, and I've always told people this. I said, if, you know, if, if you don't like this nation, leave. Just leave. Nothing's holding you here. You couldn't do that if you were in Russia. You couldn't just pack up your bags and take off. But you can here. And I don't mean, I'm not trying to be mean-spirited or anything, but I'll be glad to pay for your plane ticket. The reason is this, is that we have got to be grateful for what God has given us. One thing that I've learned is what we're not grateful for, we take for granted. And so we need to learn how to be grateful. It was the hand of God that birthed this nation. If you study the wars and history, you discover that had it not been for God's intervention, America would have never become a nation. When Washington was fighting in the Revolutionary War and he was, he was trapped, he, he had to try and evacuate his men. The British were on the other side, so under the cover of darkness, he put them on flatboats along with all of their weapons and cannons and tried to move them downriver before daylight came. But daylight came too quickly. He could not get them evacuated, and he did not know what he would do. And then unexplainably, a thick fog drifted down and settled on that body of water and made it impossible for the British to see Washington and his troops escaping. When he got the last flatboat loaded and it was out of cannon range, the fog lifted and the British discovered that Washington had slipped through his hands. The reason that Washington was able to slip through his hands is because Washington was trusting in the hand of God. It's important for us to remember. Everybody say, remember. If you, if, if you don't remember, you know, the Scripture says, that, not Scripture, there's a saying that says this, that if we, if we don't learn from history, we're destined to repeat it. How many of you found that true in your own life? If you didn't, if you didn't learn from something, you ended up doing it over again, right? I mean, how many whippings did you get as a child? You know what I'm talking about? It's like if you didn't, if you didn't get it right the first time, mom and dad would say, don't leave. That man, mom had a rule. You know, my, my dad worked first shift. My mom worked second shift. And so mom would be in the bed sleeping, and, and we were not to leave the house until she got up. And we figured that it was all right to leave the house as long as she didn't wake up. And so we slipped out of the house and took off riding bikes. And man, I had a bike that was bigger than I was. And I don't know if you've ever tried to ride a bike that your feet can barely reach the pedals, but I'm going down a hill and all of a sudden, well, actually I'm going down a path. We, we went out in the woods. It was called 
I, I believe I remember it was called Camp Rude, and it was. It was a rude place to be, man. And I, I was driving down that path, and as I went down that path, I hit a root, and that root threw me off balance. And, and all of a sudden, I'm like this going down the path, and, I, and it opens up, and there's the river coming. And I'm thinking, man, I am. And so I thought, I've got to abandon ship here. And, and there was a, I saw a low tree limb hanging over my head. So I reached up to grab hold of the tree limb, and I was going to let the bike go out from underneath me. Unfortunately, when I reached for the limb, I hit another root. And it flipped me over the handlebars of the bike, and I landed in the river. So I come back, my brothers come back, and we are soaking wet, and mom is waiting for us. If I had remembered my mother's words, it would have spared me a lot of heartache and backache that day, specifically a location on the backside. <laughs> and so I went in, and I don't know how many of you understand the terminology, a switch. You know, dad used a belt, mom used a switch, and she was like that old movie Rawhide with that switch. She could crack that thing. And Man, I don't know if you've ever had a switching with wet clothes on. I thought, mom, at least let me go dry off, man, but there was none of that. And I learned something that day, remember. Somebody say it with me, remember. We all want to be remembered for something, right? No, none of us want to just slip through life without being remembered. Sometimes we're remembered for, how many of you want to be remembered for the most boneheaded thing you ever did in your life? Nobody's taking me up on that. We don't want to be remembered for stuff like that, do we? We want to be remembered for something that we feel like we achieved or, or, or some type of a situation that, you know, that makes a difference for us. And so when we're trying to be remembered, we think about individuals and what they're remembered for. For, for example, this first man was remembered for his ability to fly. He could take off from, who is that? Michael Jordan, nobody had to prompt anybody. Everybody, MJ, Michael Jordan, it was in his young years. Michael Jordan had the ability to jump from the free throw line, fly through the air, and slam dunk it. And if you buy his tennis shoes, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> it just ain't going to happen. Man, I didn't fly three feet, you know, but we, we, uh, he, that's what he's remembered for. As a matter of fact, they called him Air Jordan. Everybody say Air Jordan. And who, I mean, who doesn't relish that? You remember the, he, he, he became so famous that Bugs Bunny wanted to do a movie with him. You remember that? And, and what was it called? I know what y'all do with your spare time. Uh, so, so he wants, he wants to, he, you know, and, and everybody knew him for that. And, and he, he was unique. And there was a man that came before him that was famous. And he was famous for a different reason. He was called the Sultan of Swat, Babe Ruth held the record for home runs. He wasn't really, he didn't look very athletic, did he? 
I mean, if you saw Babe Ruth, he, he didn't. As a matter of fact, Babe Ruth wanted to be remembered for home runs. And if you followed his career, in his career, he started to diminish and he couldn't do what he'd done before and they had traded him. And I remember the, one of his last games played, he used to go when he was younger, he would go and he would point that bat out at that fence like that's where it's going you know and now people had tried to diminish him and they were trying to take away from that memory and Babe Ruth on one of his last at bats and it may have been his last at bat walked up to the plate and with the crowd kind of jeering him he pointed at that fence and I'm telling you with one final swing he shut that crowd up and they started cheering him again and they remembered that he had been and always will be the home run king now I understand Hank Aaron came and he beat his record and Barry Bonds came and beat that record but how many of you know that when you think about Babe Ruth, it's more than a candy bar. It's, it's always, he's, he's the one that did it. And so he's, he's, that's what he's remembered for. And what a lot of people don't know is that Babe Ruth didn't just hold the number for the, the most home runs. He held the number for the most strikeouts. You see, what you focus on is what you're going to be remembered by. If you're always focused on everything you did wrong, everybody's going to remember you for that. But if you'll focus on those things that you get right, turn around, look at your neighbor and say, you got it right. <laughs> May not be too often, but you got it right. And so, so focus on what we get right. Remember this young lady? Somewhere over the rainbow skies are blue that's as far as i'm going <laughs> judy garland became known and synonymous how many of you she played in a lot of movies how many of you can name one don't say anything how many of you can name one huh what johnny one note in a movie. See, I don't even remember that one. Johnny One No. But how many of you remember this movie? What's it called? The Wizard of Oz. Everybody remembers this. Man, I'm telling you, no matter how old she got, she was always Dorothy on The Wizard of Oz. Everybody always, we used to, how many of you remember ABC, CBS, and NBC when that was all you could pick from? And every year, The Wizard of Oz would come on one time a year, and we had a TV guide, and we would flip through that TV guide, and we were in town one Friday night, and Dad, Dad, The, the Wizard of Oz is getting ready to come on, and they had a window in, or they had a window, they had had a television in the window and I saw it coming on dad we need to get home we need and so we all run home and you know we, we get home and we sit down and we're tuning in the Wizard of Oz my brother cried every time the witch got Dorothy it's a true story, man. Paul would cry. He'd start crying. I said, Paul, man, come on. You know the ending of this. He said, I know. I just can't help it. It was, it was what he remembered, and it always touched his heart when, when the, you know, the witch got Dorothy. I always liked the part where the witch got hers. <laughs> it's amazing what you can do with a little water. 
remembered for these things. There was one individual that was remembered simply by his first name. <laughs> I started to give you a little hunk of, hunk of burning love, but we won't do that. <laughs> so he was remembered, and he was remembered and didn't, and honestly, there was a time in his life he didn't want to be. He made a statement. He said, I'd give a million dollars if I could just walk down the street like anybody else and not be recognized. They were remembered and, and they were identified and they could not escape that. He would always be known as the king. She would always be known as Dorothy. He's always going to be the Sultan of Swat and MJ is always going to be Air Jordan, the greatest basketball player that ever lived. And if, if you don't believe that, it's okay. You're entitled to be wrong. <laughs> so we, we all want to be remembered for things. I want to ask you a question. What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be, seriously, stop and think about it. What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want on your epitaph? What, what do you want folks of to think of when you're gone? I was in a cemetery several years ago, I, driving through the country and came in a cemetery in Arkansas, in the backwoods of Arkansas, and there was a tombstone, and the epitaph read, a loving mother, wonderful, or a loving wife, wonderful mother, and my best friend. And it, was, it dated back in the early uh, 18, I'm sorry, the early 1900s was when she'd passed. And as I was walking out of there, I, I was just, kind of, and I, I just stopped and I said, God, it doesn't seem right to me that someone that meant so much to so many should be forgotten. And I promise you, God spoke to my heart coming out of that cemetery and said, I haven't forgotten her. So God does not forget us. God remembers. Everybody say he remembers. But what do we want people to remember us for? Do we want them to remember us for our greatest failure? Do we want them to remember us for, maybe you achieved something. Maybe you won a pie-eating contest at some point in your life. And is that what you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be remembered for? This past week, I did a broadcast with a young man, Nicholas Simmons. I don't know how many of you saw that, but he, he gave his testimony of having been a drug addict he was running for the cartel and nearly got, I, I mean, they, they robbed him at gunpoint, took his money, took his car, and it's, it's a wonder they hadn't taken his life. He was facing 17 years in prison and ended up doing four months. God turned his life around. And he was so moved. He was, he, when he was sharing, it was just, he, he was just so tender before God because he realized what God had done for him. And he was sharing that. And I looked at him. I said, Nicholas, I said, do you understand that after today, I said, your testimony is there forever? forever. You just did something. I said, when you, you know, I said, that's why this is so exciting to me and, 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 and going online and live streaming and sharing broadcasts every day, Debbie, and I doing that because I understand that once I'm gone, my voice will still be declaring the gospel. When I am no longer around physically, my voice will still be here, and I want to be remembered for sharing the word of God in a way that helps somebody along their journey. 
we're all going to be remembered. So having said all that, I, I begin to contemplate with Memorial Day coming up, and I started thinking, what would Jesus want to be remembered for? It seems that the things that we would have thought Jesus would want us to remember him by is vastly different from what he actually wanted us to remember. I mean, let me give you an example. Look in Matthew, the eighth chapter, starting with second verse. And behold, a leper came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I'm willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Everybody say immediately. I mean, that, like that, it's gone. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one. But go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. See that you, I mean, this guy has just had a miracle. Jesus touched him, and immediately he's whole. And Jesus says, don't tell anybody about this. You would think that he'd want to be remembered for that, right? I mean, isn't that what... I mean, how many of you, if you prayed for somebody that had leprosy and they got healed of leprosy, wouldn't want to tell somebody about it? Man, you'd be so wound up, we couldn't get you to sit down. You'd be, whoa, man, let me tell you what happened. And, and, and so, but you see, it's not a fluke. It's not a one-shot deal where Jesus is doing this. And, you, and you've got to understand something about what happened. This guy is in Galilee that's healed of leprosy. Jesus told him to go show himself to the priest, which is in Jerusalem. That's 40 to 50 miles from where he's at. He can't jump in his Toyota and drive there. He's going to have to walk 40 or 50 miles. And it's one thing if I can tell you about what happened to me along the way. How many of you like to talk about what happened to you? Everybody's sitting here, no, I don't like talking about nothing. Man, I know better than that. <laughs> I, I mean, some of you guys have told me about stuff that's happened to you, and you get wound up telling about it. I get wound up telling about stuff that's happened. So if I can share with you about what happened to me along the way, I mean, how many of you get wound up talking about Jesus? Man, you ought to. I mean, when's the last time you really got... <laughs> I used to work in a factory, and this guy, I, I was telling, talking to him about Jesus, and he goes, stop, Rick, stop right where you're at. I was walking toward him. I didn't realize what I was doing. I was walking toward him. He said, stop right where you're at. I said, what's wrong with you, Terry? He said, every time you start talking about Jesus, he said, your voice changes, and you get this wild look in your eye. <laughs> I can't help it. You get excited about it. You want to share about it, but Jesus tells the guy you can't say anything. Now, this isn't the first time this happens. Look at this. In the ninth chapter of Matthew, he heals two blind men. And this is what the scripture said, that he sternly warned them, see that no one knows it. Don't tell anybody. In the 12th chapter, great multitudes are following him, and he heals them all and warns them not to make him known. I mean, how many ministries do you know today that if miracles were happening, would be telling folks, don't tell anybody about what happened here? Man, it'd be all over television. It'd be on the radio. It'd be a crusade sign up, miracle revival going on. It would be all over the place. Yet Jesus tells them, don't make this known. 
I, I, I thought about that. I contemplated that. And I realized, you know, a person can get healed and die and go to hell. So maybe what's going on is Jesus has got something more important that he wants to be remembered by. He does tell us to remember him over a couple things. If you remember, there's a place in Scripture where they've just, you know, they, they've fed 5,000 with, you remember that, when he fed the 5,000 with the loaves and the fish, and, and they're leaving that place, and they're going, and, and they forgot to take bread, and, and Jesus looks at them, and he, he made this statement to them. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they look at each other. They don't get that what Jesus is saying is don't get that proud spirit on you like Pharisees have got. That leaven, that that makes it rise up within you. They don't get that. They look at him and they, they, they think, they start talking to each other. They said, it must be because we forgot to take bread. And he looks at him and said, what? He said, have you already forgotten? He said, do you remember the five loaves and the 5,000? What's he saying? He's saying, I want you to remember, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. What are you worrying about forgetting a loaf of bread about? Man, you just saw me feed 5,000 people with five loaves. Don't you think I can take care of you? Oh, come on. Don't, don't sit there and at you, you know, you've been there, I've been there, where all of a sudden stuff starts going on, the rubber's meeting the road, man, we're between a rock and a hard place. We're wringing our hands going, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get this bill paid. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how this is going to come together. And all the time, Jesus has told us, remember, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I am going to take care of you. There's another place where he tells us to remember, and it's something, you know, he doesn't say remember the four spiritual principles, remember the golden rule. He says, remember Lot's wife. Remember who? Remember Lot's wife. Why? Jesus wants us to remember how dangerous it is for us to think about looking back and going back to where we came from. There was a young girl, this is a true story, there was a young girl, she'd been in church all of her life, and one summer she decided, you know what, I'm just going to sow some wild oats. I've always been a Miss Goody Two-Shoes. I've never done anything. And so she just, man, she just took off, took up with some guy, you know, sleeping with him, every, I mean, just everything under the sun. And, and then after summer was over with, she went back and sincerely gave her heart back to God and said, no, I've, I'm going to get it right now. I'm going to get it right. I've got, I just needed to sow those wild oats. A few months later, she got a package in the mail. And when she opened it up, it was a miniature coffin and she looked at it, and she lifted the lid, and there was a single rose in the lid, or in the coffin, with a note that said, I have the gift of AIDS. I give it to you, too. And it was from the guy she'd run with that whole summer. Remember Lot's 
wife. Going back is not an option. Say it with me. Going back is not an option. Let me explain something to you because there's nothing back there I want. Going back is not an option. That's not in my vocabulary. That's not in my thinking. I don't think about going back. I think about moving forward. And what Jesus is saying is this, is get the idea of going back out of your head. Get rid of it because it'll end up costing you more than you want to pay. Remember Lot's wife. And then finally there comes this place in Scripture where it seems like there's a shift and everything starts to change. And you find it in Luke 22, starting with the 14th verse. It says, when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire. Everybody say that with me. With fervent desire, I have desired. Look at that phrase. With fervent desire, I have desired. It's a Hebrew phrase that's, that's talking about with great anticipation, like almost with a longing. He said, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now, this is unique because the fact is, there, okay, he says, eat of this Passover, but they're not eating this on the day of Passover. This is before the Passover. If you study Scripture, you'll find out that the others would not go in because they didn't want to be unclean for the Passover. But he's, he's, he's setting them up. He had had Passover with them before. What did Passover symbolize? It was the coming out of Egypt. It was the blood over the doorposts. It was him rescuing them out of Egypt. And so he had done that with them before. He had had that ceremony and had partaken of that ceremony and had done everything just like the law had talked about. But tonight is different. Tonight, he's not, he, he is not participating in a type and a shadow. Tonight, he is fulfilling a type and a shadow. And so, this is what Paul writes about him. Listen to this in, in 1 Corinthians 11 and 23. Now, Jesus tells them there, if you read on down in the Gospel of Luke, he tells them to remember, do this in remembrance. But Paul, who did not walk with Jesus, but Jesus apprehends him like a, a man out of due season, born out of due season. And, and, and Paul is taken away with the Lord, and the Lord teaches him. He separates himself because when Paul goes to Jerusalem, he says, when I met with the apostles, they didn't add anything to me. In other words, what Paul is saying is, I got this directly from the Lord. Listen to what he says. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as ye drank of it in remembrance of me. Somebody say, remember. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. But let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Watch this. He takes the Passover, something that was near and dear to the Jews. And that night, he changes it. This is no longer about the lamb in Egypt. This is about the lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world. He said, I've, there's been a part of me that's been longing to do this. I, I've had great desire to do this with you. Why? He said, before my suffering. Why is it? Because he wants to suffer? No, he doesn't. Is it because he wants to die? No, he doesn't. It's because he understands that this is the reason I came into this world. I don't want you to remember me of all the great miracles I did, even though I did those. If there's one thing I want this world to remember me for, it's that I came to break the stronghold of sin off of you. I came so you could have life and have it more abundantly. You need to understand that death has no hold on you, that I've got the key of death, hell, and the grave. I've conquered. I've overcome. What do you remember? We need to ask ourselves that question. What do we remember? He said, let me tell you how serious it is. Paul said, if you do this unworthy, you're eating and drinking judgment to yourself. Let me ask you a question. Who of the 12 apostles partook of communion that night with Jesus. They all did, including who? Judas. And what happened to Judas shortly after that? He went and hung himself. Judgment came. We're getting ready to take communion in a moment, but there's something I need you to understand about communion. Because I've heard people hold back from taking communion because they said, I don't feel worthy. And they're missing the whole point of communion. When Paul said that, Paul didn't say, if you take it and you're not worthy, how many of you know that none of us are worthy? The Bible said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what's he saying? He explains it in the very next verse. He said, if you do this unworthy, not discerning the Lord's body. What's he saying? He's saying if you're doing this and you're not thinking about what he did for you, about the price he paid for you, if this is just a cracker and some grape juice to you, then you're in trouble. Don't do that. You need to make sure that when you partake of this, that you remember, that you remember the price he paid. You remember the victory he won. You remember the fact that now we've been made more than a conqueror through him that loved us. He said if the Son has set you free, you you are free indeed. Remember. If you've got your elements, I want you to get them out right now.
If you don't have elements, hold your hand up and ushers will assist you. There's some in this back corner that need elements over here. They're coming to assist you. Memorial Day. What do we remember? What do you choose to remember about your life? What chapters in your life do you want people to remember? If you will, that's what Jesus is laying out here because he did so much. I mean, the writer of John, the, the writer of the book of John, John, he said at the end of his book, he said, look, if, if I wrote everything that he did, even the world couldn't contain the books. He did so much. He healed those that were dying. He gave hope to the brokenhearted. He took a young man in a funeral procession, and it was his mother's only child. And he turned that funeral into a celebration. He did that. But when it came time to leave something for us to remember him by, it's not the miracles that he wants you to remember, although we remember them. He wants you to remember a price he paid, the reason he came. I mean, it's Memorial Day, and a time to set aside and remember the heroes that fought and gave their lives for this country, and we need to do that. But we need to remember what he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave. For it's possible to be raised in the land of the free and the home of the brave and still be a prisoner to sin. So don't forget the reason he came. Don't forget the price that he paid. And don't forget the victory he won for you and I. So he took the bread that night and he broke it. And he said, take this and eat and remember. A Roman whip that ripped the flesh off of his back. Fists that beat him about the face until he was unrecognizable. He said, I am the bread of life. Today, we remember. He took the cup. He gave it to him and he said, you drink all of it. Don't piecemeal the gospel. Don't lay hold of one verse over here you like and then something you don't like. You say, I don't want that. No, no. You, it's, you understand that the lamb, the Passover lamb, was cooked whole. They didn't gut it. It was cooked whole. He said, you prepare it with the pertinence thereof, with its innards still in it. 
What was the symbolism? That it's a whole lamb. It's going to take a whole sacrifice, not part of it, not a piece of it, but Jesus gave his all. Gave his all for us. And he said, you drank all of it. He said, because this is the New Testament of my blood. And when I do this and I remember, I remember that because of what he did, I am free. Will you drink with me and remember? Father, we praise you for it right now. We thank you for it. Come on, raise your hands and praise him. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. We give you praise as they come. Come on out, guys. So this is what, this is what I'm asking you to do this Memorial Day. I know that there'll be barbecues, there'll be picnics, there'll be family gatherings. And I hope that we take time to remember the men and women that sacrificed so we could live in this country and be free. Amen. Come on, put your hands together. I hope we, we remember that this is one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty under God. Somebody say, under God. Ronald Reagan made a statement. He said, a nation, he said, because of this nation is not under God, it will be a nation gone under. America understands that if it were not for God, there would be no America. And we need to remember today and understand if it were not for Jesus, I would not be free. I would not be saved. So I remember, I remember the price he paid, the victory he won. And because of that, there's no demon in hell that can stop you because you are a child of God. He said, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or peril or persecution or famine or sword? He said, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things we've been made more than a conqueror through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things come to their, their height nor death nor things to come can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's he saying? He's saying, remember this, don't ever go back, don't ever give up, because I'm going to take care of you. And don't ever wave a flag of surrender, because you're blood bought in Jesus' name. Come on and sing it.
heaven with me today. Father, we thank you for your great love. Thank you for the ultimate price you paid. Let us never forget that. We embrace you. We declare you as Lord of our lives. And we want to serve you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today. Before you leave, let me instruct you, open house. If you go out, you can start around to the right. Go through the children's ministry areas. There will be people there to answer any questions. It gives you an opportunity to see where your children are being taught. And it gives you an opportunity to ask in case you'd like to volunteer in some of these areas. That... Uh, they'll sign you up so you can you can find out about it and then as you circle on around you're just going to make a big circle you'll go there you'll come on around into the back it's a chapel back there you're going to see Daryl back there that he's going to be telling you about overcomers that's where they meet every Thursday night you'll come on around the door will be open over here so you can come through my office you can look around you can can they look at the bathroom you can look at the bathroom we're kind of proud of that bathroom if you'd seen it last week you would not have been looking at the bathroom it was the floor was tore up and uh, we thank God for Paul came in and uh, we put down tile my hands are still sore from trying to get that stuff up off the floor but anyway it looks nice now so Debbie said yes you can see it so uh, and then you'll come on through come this way and you'll see the conference room over here right next to Abba Java chosen is in there that's where the young uh, they're representing the young people you can go in there and find out about that and then on out into the lobby and you can spread your wings to fly we love you guys we'll see you next week God bless you